Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, good friends. So happy to welcome you back to the Bill Press Pod. Yeah, Congress comes back to town this week just in time with so many important items demanding their attention, including the fact that the government's running out of money again, the border's running out of places to hold all the refugees, and Ukraine's running out of ammunition. But, of course, instead of working on those or other critical priorities, House Republicans are focused on uh, impeaching President Biden. Yes, having already voted to impeach Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, House Republicans are still determined to impeach Joe Biden, even though last week, Alexander Smirnoff, their chief witness against the president and his son Hunter, was arrested by the FBI for lying to the FBI and making the whole thing up. You know, with no evidence of wrongdoing, this Biden impeachment has been a joke from the beginning, but now, with no witness, it's an absolute outrage. And yet, House Republicans, led by Speaker Mike Johnson, refuse to throw in the towel and will hold more impeachment hearings, at least one more, this week. But nobody's done a better job in exposing the sheer insanity of this attempt to impeach the president than our good friend and frequent Reporters Roundtable guest, Philip Bump columnist for the Washington Post, author of the newsletter, How to Read This Chart. We welcome Philip Bump back today just to tell us how crazy this whole deal is. Philip Bump, uh, it's always fun to welcome you to the roundtable and a special pleasure to welcome you to a full podcast of the Bill Press Five. Good to talk to you. Happy to be here, sir. All right. I have it right here in front of me, Philip. Article 2, Section 2 of the United States Constitution can, says the president can be impeached for treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. What are the high crimes for which Republicans are intent on impeaching President Joe Biden? Well, it's funny, because if you ask Republicans, they will give you different answers. Uh, Sean Hannity on his uh, eponymous Fox News show has at times asked the Republican leaders of the impeach Biden effort what charges they think Biden will be subjected to. Uh, and you get a range of answers from bribery to uh, corrupt, uh, obstruction of justice to violating the the uh, Foreign Relations Act. I mean, they're, they're all these things <laughs> that they say uh, he might have done because, of course, they have no evidence that he has done any one particular thing. So it's all theoretical. And it all, of course, uh, depends on who you're talking to and the day you're talking to. And um, have they filed actual um, charges of impeachment yet? They have not. Uh, so it's been 
the, the, the timeline here is interesting. So back in September, Kevin McCarthy, then the Speaker of the House, announced that they were launching this impeachment inquiry. And over the course of the next couple of months, you heard these repeated rumblings, okay, early in 2024, it'll happen. They only held one actual hearing, public hearing about this. People may remember in 2019, there was a number of hearings involving witness testimony that the Democrats held as they were impeaching Donald Trump for the first time. The Republicans only held one. And at that, they didn't have any actual evidentiary witnesses. They just had a couple of people come up and say, yeah, maybe he did something wrong uh, and they got lambasted for it and got you know, to- to- totally embarrassed by it. Uh, so they have not filed any charges in part because they haven't really done anything with the impeachment inquiry. They have made very little progress relative to where they were even back in 2022 when they're like, oh, we're going to investigate all these things. If you look at the things that they say that Joe Biden might have done, they still say the exact same things. They've offered no new evidence for it. And now the question is less when are the charges coming than whether or not there will be any charges at all. Let's start with this. Uh, Jim Jordan, chair of the Justice Committee, of course, has been very, very much uh, in the leadership of this uh, effort to impeach. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, Manu Raju from uh, CNN said basically the same question I'm asking. You know, what do you got? What do you got against him? Um, Here is uh, Jim Jordan laying out the charges. I'd like you to say whether they stand up or not. Here he goes. Doesn't change the four fundamental facts. Hunter Biden was... On the put on the board of Burisma gets paid a million dollars a year. Fact number two, he's not qualified to be on the board. He said so himself in an interview, I don't know, with you or, or some network. Fact number three, Zolachevsky and Pazarsky, the two executives at Burisma, specifically asked Hunter Biden, can you weigh in with D.C. and help us deal with the pressure we are facing from the prosecutor? Fact number four, Joe Biden, then, then he gets called. Hunter Biden calls his dad, according to Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner. Fact number four, Joe Biden then goes to Ukraine three days later and conditions the release of the money, American tax money, on the firing of the prosecutor who was applying the pressure to the company that Hunter Biden set on the board of. You, you, you said the 1023 is the most corroborating piece of information it you have. It corroborates, but it doesn't, it doesn't change those fundamental facts. So now. But it's not true. Well, so. Fundamental fundamental facts. (laughs) Uh, He's on the board of Burisma. Uh, That was true. Yes, that was true. Not a crime, right? (laughs) No, no, not a crime. You know what I mean? Really what it does is it it reinforces what I think has been known all along, which is that Hunter Biden was parlaying his dad's name into money. Like no one ever doubted that, right? You know, it was always sketchy. Everyone was always like, well, yeah, this is what's going on. And what's happened over the course of the past, you know, year and a half, two years is that Republicans have tried to say that Joe Biden, therefore, benefited. They've been unable, unable to do that. They've very robustly proven that Hunter Biden traded on his dad's name, as in the example, example of sitting on the board. Uh, but no, there's there's nothing actually fundamentally criminal about that. Well, and I don't see anything fundamentally criminal about calling your father. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the thing about that. You're right, but that also didn't happen. So, the, so this this conversation between Manu Raju and Jim Jordan is really fascinating because Manu Raju is presenting to Jim Jordan the fact that this other allegation uh, that Joe Biden had taken a bribe related to Burisma had mm-hmm. completely blown up in the Republicans' faces. That the guy who'd made that allegation was indicted by the Justice Department literally for lying about this particular allegation. They say he made it up. They have very robust evidence to say that. Again, this is an alleged, uh, you know, he allegedly lied because it's just an indictment, but they have pretty good evidence to show that he had. So Raju goes to Jordan and says, hey, your thing blew up. And Jordan says, well, we still have these other facts. So of those four facts he presented, the last two are flatly false. 
He said, for example, that Devin Archer said uh, that that Joe Biden or that Hunter Biden was asked to call his father to alleviate this pressure. That's not what Devin Archer said. Devin Archer said uh, that that there was a call made between Hunter Biden and Zolchevsky to which Devin Archer was not privy. Uh, that was made to Washington. They had staff in Washington. And the thing that people don't recognize about this is that that call came at a time when both The Wall Street Journal and New York Times were asking for comment from Biden's team about his relationship with Burisma. So it is not established that this had anything to do with his inspector, Viktor Shokin, the Ukrainian uh, uh, prosecutor mm-hmm. general. It is much more likely this had to do with media calls that he was getting from D.C., especially because the fourth fact that Shokin wasn't actually investigating Burisma, as was established in 2019, and this trip to Ukraine that Joe Biden made several days after that call had already been announced weeks before the call actually took place. <laughs> it's all garbage and lies. It's been debunked repeatedly, but that is all that Jordan has left after the uh, the this allegation of bribery had imploded. Okay, so it imploded because the FBI, uh, as you say, arrested and charged their own informant, right, Alexander Smirnov, uh, for being a, a serial liar, basically, right. So who is this guy? I read that uh, just a couple of years ago he was living in the San Fernando Valley basically broke, had lots of credit card debt, and then he suddenly ends up this major player, right, uh, in Ukraine and, and on the FBI's payroll. So who is this dude and how they get there? Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. I mean, obviously, this is someone whose life is necessarily somewhat shadowy. I mean, he was acting as an as an informant to the FBI against these international actors. Uh, what we know about him, based on both the indictment and based on a court filing that the Justice Department had submitted in order to try and keep him detained before actual trial, uh, which now has been established for sort of a back and forth on that. What we know about him essentially is that for years he had provided information to the FBI related to this world of Ukraine and Russia that had included back in 2017 that he had reached out to Burisma, this energy company, officials from this energy company, uh, and at that point in time had made some mention to his FBI handler of Hunter Biden's name. Uh, Over the course of what's detailed in the indictment and this later court filing, we see that as Joe Biden had announced his candidacy in 2020, this guy was hostile to Joe Biden. And so that it was at that point then that he went back to his handler and said, oh, I heard you know, from Burisma folks that, that, that Joe Biden had taken this bribe and yada, yada, yada. As over the course of the, the filing, when they were trying to keep him in jail, the Justice Department then revealed that he's had lots of contacts with uh, foreign intelligence officials, including people linked to Russian foreign intelligence. That was one of the reasons they thought he should be kept in jail, because they were worried that one of his allies in foreign intelligence, you know, some other foreign intelligence service was going to spring him, right? It's going to get him on a plane and get him out of the United States. So that was actually why they presented that. But what you see, too, then in that filing is this pattern of the information he's providing to the FBI and the ways in which the FBI later went back and checked what they were, he was giving them and finding it to be false, allegedly. Do they have did they have any witnesses at all who confirmed or corroborated or backed up what Smirnov was telling them? No, about the bribery, they did not. And that was really one of the fascinating things to watch unfold last year. So uh, James Comer, who's head of House Oversight, and Chuck Grassley, the senator from Iowa, came forward early May of 2023 and said, hey, there exists this allegation. What was fascinating about it was they weren't they didn't go to the FBI and say, hey, 
tell us what you know, tell us what you know about this. What's the investigation says? They said, FBI, you need to make this thing public. That was the pressure they put on the FBI. It was nothing to do with the investigation, just that they wanted to have the allegation made public. It was very much echoing what happened in 2019 when Donald Trump wanted to get the Ukrainian government to, you know, make an announcement. They were announcing a probe of Biden. It wasn't about the actual probe. It was about the, the, the you know, the, the damage that it did to President Biden. Over the course of the next couple of months, it became very apparent that there was no corroboration that was happening. Uh, when Kevin McCarthy announced the impeachment inquiry last September, he did roll this allegation into that saying, you know, then there's this bribery allegation suggesting there would be further, uh, uh, you know, investigating uh, to, to try and determine if it was true. But none ever emerged. Literally none. The only element of this that was ever existed was this guy's claim. And of course, the reason for that we now see from the Justice Department is because this guy made it up. So, yeah, no, there wasn't any corroboration because the guy invented it, which is how, how it works when you when you make up a lie. OK, now there's, there's so many layers of this right now. Uh, we've also learned, haven't we, that the Republicans who ran out in front with this, Jim Jordan being one of them, James Comer being another one, Chuck Grassley being another one, uh, Elise Stefanik being maybe the number one, they'd been warned by the FBI don't take this guy too seriously. No, this is true. Yeah, but that was also publicly known at the time. So there's been a lot yeah. made of Ken Buck, Representative Ken Buck, coming out and saying, oh, you know, this was, they were warned this was uncorroborated. You know, speaking very frankly, a lot of people in the public and in the media weren't paying a lot of attention to this last May. Yeah, right? right. At the right. time, we knew. This is why, because, you know, I just said that Comer and Grassley are saying FBI releases. The FBI's response was, no, this is uncorroborated and it puts at risk potentially our uh -huh. source. Again, who turned out to be this guy's Smirnoff. So this was their response. They said it in letters to them. They said, no, this is uncorroborated. We're not going to do that. <laughs> there were times when both Grassley and Comer were asked about elements of it, and both of them copped to it. They both said, look, we don't know whether or not this actually is true both of them said that at different points in time but again because they had nothing else they yeah. went with this and they ran with this story and and you know set themselves up for what what occurred this month uh, and in fact um didn't they threaten to hold the fbi director uh, chuck ray in, in contempt of congress if he didn't release this stuff yeah, that's exactly right. That again, that that was so much their focus, and they wanted so badly to make something out of this that yeah, they 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 threatened to issue contempt uh, against Ray. Uh, eventually, the FBI you know let enough people see this that 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 uh, that that threat went away. But of course, what that did is once more people saw, you had people like Representative Ann Polina Luna who came forward was like, oh, the FBI told us that they're worried their guy's going to get killed because of his, the dirt he has on Biden, which <laughs> clearly wasn't what FBI said. And but Luna got a bunch of traction for it. And, you know, it was very, very ironic because three weeks later, she was the one who led the censure of Adam Schiff for allegedly misrepresenting what happened with the Russia probe, right? You know, <laughs> it, that, that, that's been the pattern all along. They just elevate this nonsense, you know, either nonsense that is uncorroborated or, or just facially obvious nonsense. Uh, and then they it goes nowhere. But they're they're feeding the maw of, of Fox News and right wing media. And that's why they do it. Uh, yeah. And so, so, like speaking of nonsense, I just the one that struck me particularly was Elise Stefanik. Of course, she, mm -hmm. you know, she she has our her heart set on becoming, I think, Trump's vice presidential nominee. Right. But at any rate, um, she was quoted as saying, here she is, quote, you have multiple members of the Biden family profiting illegally from foreign governments. You also have the bombshell reporting including potential tapes that exist right. of while Joe Biden was vice president taking a bribe from Burisma. 
Uh, yes. she, she, <laughs> she doesn't express any doubts there, right? Or any conditions or anything. To be fair, she's a lot more, she's phrasing that a lot more carefully than did, you know, Luna. Uh, uh, it was true that multiple members of Joe Biden's family took money from foreign actors. Uh, that Normally that is conflated to saying foreign governments, uh, that, uh, you know, that's how the Republicans like to do it. But yeah, Jim Biden, Hunter Biden, Jim Biden was Joe Biden's brother, and Hunter Biden took money from from foreign business partners. Yes, that's been established. Again, this goes back to them parlaying uh, in Joe Biden's last name in order to, to make some cash. Uh, she does there say that they're Maybe these tapes that exist. That too was an allegation made by Smirnoff uh, in that initial interview with the FBI that has not been corroborated. So she at least is using, generally speaking, you know, <laughs> she's staying within <laughs> the bounds of reality while trying to amplify this nonsense. Uh, but of course, it is at the end of the day. You know, there used to be, Bill, you and I are old enough to remember a day when politicians wouldn't make unfounded claims without having some basis of corroboration. So we're just, well past that point. So this is the best just, you're going to get. Just a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. At least right. something. Right. Okay. So after Smirnov is arrested and then he's released and then he's rearrested. What is the reaction on the part of James Comer and Jim Jordan and Mike Johnson? They all say, oops, I guess we got it wrong. Maybe we better drop this whole thing. Right. No. Yeah. No, that is not that is not what they say. You know, generally speaking, the response has been either this was not a central part of our probe, um, which honestly is kind of true. The, the probe really didn't focus too much on a bribery aspect. They just hyped the bribery aspect because, A, if it were true, it would be wildly damning and, you know, obviously grounds for some, some sort of blowback. Uh, but also, B, because it has, you know, all of the elements of sort of the international intrigue that people can sink their teeth into, right? You know, this foreign shadowy business guy paying millions of dollars to the Bidens. Like, that's a nice narrative. It just happens to not be true. Uh, so a lot of them very quickly came back and said, well, that's not really what our probe is about. And, you know, I wrote a piece last week, which is like, yeah, that's true. It's not. But the rest of their probe is also garbage, right? <laughs> it's, not <laughs> right. As though, it's not as though the fallback's any better. You know, it's like your plane's crashing and your fallback is you're going to land on the Titanic. Like, sorry, guys, you're, you're still out of luck. Uh, so you see this, but you also see on the right a lot of now trying to wrap a new conspiracy theory around this. It's smeared off must necessarily have been gotten to by the deep state. And actually, it's mm -hmm. true in the deep. Right. Just the, the, the standard nonsense we've gotten used to over the past eight years. Okay. And now there is also the Russian connection. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll get into that when we come back here uh, on the Bill Press Pod. You know, friends, uh, if you want to support good reporters and good columnists like Philip Bump, and I mentioned Jennifer Rubin and Dan Balls and all the other great people at the Washington Post, and I got to tell you, the Washington Post is one of our nation's best, greatest, most dependable, most reliable, most truthful newspapers. It's important to support them. Uh, and here's how you can do it. There's a special deal right now to subscribe to the Washington Post. Get this. $4, only $4 every four weeks for a year. Uh, and you've got access to everything in the Washington Post. So check out their website, subscribe.washingtonpost.com. Subscribe.washingtonpost.com. And cast your vote for good journalism. Cast your vote for the Washington Post. Cast your vote for good people like Philip Bump. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued 
at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And we're back on today's podcast with our good friend Philip Bump, uh, who, of course, columnist for the Washington Post. He's uh, author of the newsletter, How to Read This Chart, and author of the uh, fairly recent new book, The Aftermath. Uh, so, Philip, uh, in talking about the impeachment, the arrest of Smirnoff, in reporting on that, the Washington Post uh, kind of raised some eyebrows, anyhow, when they reported uh, that um, Smirnoff may have had ties to Russian intelligence, and to use their phrase, this might everything he said might possibly be a Russian-inspired smear. What do we know about that? So we know a few things. We we know what was written in the court filing that was submitted by the Justice Department, and, and that was this, that Smirnov has ties to foreign intelligence actors, that he has ties uh, at least indirectly to Russian intelligence, and that he had sourced an allegation about Hunter Biden, involving Hunter Biden having gone to a hotel in Kiev, which he didn't do because Hunter Biden's never been to Kiev, but that that had been sourced to someone linked to Russian intelligence. So, so it is not the case that it is demonstrably shown that his allegation about Biden taking a bribe comes from Russian intelligence. And in fact, you know, based on the evidence that was presented in the indictment, it seems quite possible he simply made that up. You know, one, we mm-hmm. should remember that in 2020, it was still very much part of the conversation, the 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 remnants of the 2019 impeachment of Donald Trump, which very much centered on Burisma and centered on Joe Biden, centered on Hunter Biden and Donald Trump's efforts to try and, you know, strong arm uh, the president of Ukraine into launching a probe. Uh, so this was all sort of in the mix at the time. And I, you know, it, it is certainly possible that that Smirnov had some contact with someone from Russia, and they said, "Well, you know, why don't you why don't you pick up this angle?" But that is not actually what the the government has so far alleged. But it is, of course, the case that anything to do with Burisma and Hunter Biden necessarily has overlap with Ukraine and raises question marks simply because that's that that has long been how how all this stuff overlapped. Uh, you know, I know this is a tangent, but I have to ask you. Is it is it Rudy Giuliani the one who first put out you know put put word out and tried to convince everybody that Joe Biden had taken a bribe from Burisma? Not not in this context. What happened is uh, that Rudy Giuliani, as part of Donald Trump's effort to try and get Ukraine to dig up dirt on Joe Biden, that began you know really late 2018, early 2019, that continued through actually the impeachment of Donald Trump in December of 2019, as Trump was being impeached and facing uh, trial in the Senate. Rudy Giuliani was still actively trying to dig up this dirt. He was working with the guy who's later sanctioned by the Treasury Department as an actual asset of Russian intelligence. You know, he's working with this dude to try and, you know, throw out these allegations. So then Giuliani comes back to Trump and and says, you know, I got all this great stuff from Ukraine. Of course, some of it's from this guy, Andrei Durkovich, who is later, you know, shown to be an actual literal, you know, guy working with Russian intelligence. And so so Trump goes to the Justice Department, and the Justice Department then run by uh, Bill Barr says, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to set up basically a screening mechanism. So any of this junk that we get from Giuliani, you know, 
who knows, some of it may be real. We're going to screen it through through the Pittsburgh field office. And so it was the Pittsburgh field's office's screening program, essentially, that then finds that there had been this mention of Hunter Biden in this 2017 interview involving Smirnoff, goes back to Smirnoff. Smirnoff at that point in time says, oh, yeah, by the way, I met with the guy in 2015 and he said yeah. this thing about Biden. So so the Giuliani thing isn't quite as direct as, as sometimes it's been understood. Right. OK, so back to the Russian influence. And I, I, I hear. I hear you loud and clear. It is not, it's not, has not been established. It is possible that he had these ties to Russian intelligence. If so, I guess my question is, that would mean that Russia, which we know from the Mueller report, was involved in the 2016 election, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we know that the Russian intelligence was involved in the 2020 election, um, uh, maybe to a lesser extent, but they were putting out some disinformation. And if they're involved... In this one, through Smirnov or whatever, that's three elections in a row. Um, if so, I guess, I don't know whether you saw Jennifer Rubin, I thought, raised a very interesting point in the Washington Post. Are the Russian, are the Republicans spreading this, inf- helping spread this information, are they just gullible or do they know what they're doing? I think that, you, that you're right. The, the, the point here is less that you know, the Russians are doing this thing and we've, we've caught them three times, then that the default assumption should have been all along that, of course, the Russians are trying to do this. Like, there are very obvious reasons why Russia would rather have Donald Trump be president. The guy came out a month ago and was like, hey, if Russia attacks NATO, I'm siding with Russia, right? Like, this is not complicated. And it is, you know, it has been the case since 2016 that Trump has both made overtures directly to Russia and espoused foreign policy rhetoric, which aids Russia. So there's, there's never been any reason to doubt that Russia would want him to win and therefore take actions. You know, it's not like Russia is France and they're worried about what happens if they get caught. You know, right. there's, it's very obvious that they would take these actions. And I think that what this shows, what this serves as a reminder of, is that Republicans' efforts to deny that Russia was involved in any of this have always been stupid. Right. They've always been fundamentally about protecting Donald Trump instead of the realities of how geopolitics works. And this is just a good reminder of that, that, of course, Russia's trying to do this stuff. And, you know, whether or not the Biden bribery thing had anything to do with it, there was still this key hotel thing. And of course, they're going to still do other stuff over the course of the next several months to try and influence the election. That's what they do. And it is that the, 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 the onus should be on Republicans to say, you know, to to demonstrate why this obvious and natural sort of understanding of, of how foreign policy works isn't the case, rather than treating it as amazing that the Russians would try and do this. Right. Which gets to where I wanted to kind of wrap with you, and that is, um, you know, look, anything that happens in Washington has its political dimensions, right? And certainly this does in an election year, in a presidential year. Uh, and you cited several instances. I mean, Donald Trump uh, basically siding with Vladimir Putin uh, in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump saying back in 2016, oh, yeah, my intelligence agencies say Russia was involved in the election, but I'm here with Mr. Putin. He just denied it, and I believe him. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, Trump saying the other last week, um, if a NATO country, a NATO member isn't up to date with its dues, you know, I would invite Russia to do whatever the hell they want, right, uh, okay. to, to that country. I mean, in in this election year, uh, how smart is it to be for the Republican Party to, with its leader at least, to look like becoming the party of Vladimir Putin? Isn't that even for Donald Trump over the line? I guess is my question. 
I, I honestly don't know that it is. You know, I mean, I think most Americans don't really care that much um, about about Russia and Ukraine. I mean, we've seen polling that shows that independents, for example, are much less likely to say they're side with Ukraine versus Russia than they are now to say they don't really care between the two. Uh, I think that it yeah. plays well to the Republican base to side with Donald Trump, no matter what you do. Uh, that Donald Trump's base of voters isn't going to be like, well, I, you know, I, I sort of think that we should do more for Ukraine and Trump's wrong on this. Like that has not been the pattern with Donald Trump's support since. Uh, I don't think there's a big cost. I mean, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the framing about NATO, like the deuce thing's just nonsense. It's not even how NATO works. It's just not true. Right. Yeah. You know, but no one calls him on this, including in his base. And so I don't think we should assume that there's any cost that he's going to pay, uh, you know, in the poll. And I think the polling reflects that. Uh, which is, I, I, I think you're right, uh, but it is stunning, right, that, if you will, uh, the party of Ronald Reagan has sure. become the party of Donald Trump and maybe the party of Vladimir Putin. So the second political question is, again, we're in a presidential year. How smart is it for the Republican Party to make the impeachment of Joe Biden and a trial in the Senate take place and pursue that um, in this election year, is this what do you think the American people want? Or again, do you think they don't care? Yeah, I, I think that one's a little harder to say. I mean, I, I do think that the odds that there is any sort of impeachment have declined precipitously since the Smirnoff thing, uh, yeah. just because, you know, not not because they have less evidence than they used to, because they never had any evidence, but because they've been so embarrassed that the bar just got that much higher for them to be able to make the case. Um, I think it has also been shown in the past that these sorts of impeachments have backfired. It didn't in the case of Democrats going after Trump in 2019, 2020. But of course, 2020 had all sorts of other factors, which became very salient, <laughs> coronavirus and protests and things along those lines uh, that sort of that sort of muffled the effect of it. Um, but, you know, it, it has been the case in the past. Bill Clinton, for example, that that his party benefited um, yeah, right. uh, in the immediate aftermath of that impeachment. So, so it may be the case that they simply... You know, I, I I wrote on Friday that they're in a quagmire and they have talked about this thing and they've built this demand, particularly within the base and within the Fox News audience for doing this thing. And they got to figure out a way to both mm-hmm. deal with that demand and not shoot themselves in the foot politically. Uh, and my guess is they come up with some sort of excuse for why they can't do impeachment. Um, you know, maybe they censure uh, Biden or something like that. But I, my guess would be that they 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 try and figure out a way out of it. Uh, and I also know that your daily beat is not the United States Congress or the House of Representatives, but you've got your sources. So I guess then the final key question is, do they have the votes if they decide right. to move forward? Uh, or will there be, um, I saw one Republican House member last week who said he thinks there are 20 votes against putting this on the floor. Do you think they've got, Johnson has the votes? I've written about this before. I really think that the the, the impeachment of Homeland Security Secretary uh, Alejandro Mayorkas was really sort of a dry run here. And Mayorkas was impeached. First, he it was lost by a vote and then it won by a vote. Uh, right. Yeah, you know, it was right. extremely narrow. And since then, of course, the Democrats have added a vote. And, you know, there are other other seats that are going to be filled and will change the dynamics. But it's such a it's a razor, razor thin margin. And this is a much, much higher bar than Mayorkas. I mean, impeaching a president, you know, regardless of how much this this has been degraded over the course of the past two years, rhetorically, it still is a big deal to impeach a president. And, uh, you know, th- I think there will be a lot of, you know, you had Tom McClintock of California coming out and saying, you know, I can't believe Republicans saying I, I can't support this Mayorkas thing. This, you know, there's just simply isn't the evidence for it. I, I think there'd be other people like McClintock 
if if they try to push forward something on Biden, since the evidence is, you know, I think probably thinner even for Biden than the thin evidence against Mayorkas. Uh, and, you know, it only takes a couple. And then all of a sudden they can't do it. And there's no point in moving forward. Uh, and I have to say, because I know him pretty well, being former uh, Democratic state chair of California, that uh, Tom McClintock is probably the most conservative member of the uh, California Dem- uh, Congressional Caucus. Right. Yeah. Right. And for him to come out and say, there ain't no evidence here for Mayorkas, right, uh, I, I thought was stunning. So they're still holding hearings, right? They're still, at this point, they're proceeding full speed ahead on the effort yeah. to impeach Joe Biden. Well, yeah, I mean, full speed ahead in, in a boat that only uh, goes, you know, two knots every day, right? I mean, the, you know, this is this is this has not been a full throated sort of exercise. I actually right. went back and looked at the calendar, and you know, when the Democrats in September of 2019 said we're going to impeach Donald Trump, they held a bunch of closed door hearings to gather evidence, and they had a bunch of open hearings, and then they filed the articles of impeachment. Right. And, you know, by December, the guy was impeached, right? And they they held yeah. had, you know eight, ten, something like that open hearings. Republicans have only had one open hearing. They continued to do depositions. They deposed Jim Biden last week. Nothing came of it. If they'd had anything, they would have, you know, Jim uh, Comer right. has, has cherry-picked the, the most garbage of details to try and make his case. They're deposing Hunter Biden this week. You know, unless Hunter Biden comes out and says, you know what, actually, I lied all along and I was in cahoots with my dad. And, you know, he had yeah. this, I don't think that's likely if he did that. OK, you know, maybe the ball game changes. Uh, but it seems pretty likely that Hunter Biden will, will yield nothing particularly significant. Uh, that they will try and make hay out of it, uh, but I, I don't think they're going to be able to. And then after that, it's it's pretty much done. They they don't really have anyone else to talk to, uh, and you know they're going to have that's that's the time they got to pull the trigger. You know, I'm glad you pointed out that it was I thought it was very instructive that um, the president's brother testified, and there were no headlines, there were that's no right. leaks, there was so it was obviously must have been a very boring session and disappointing <laughs> for James Comer. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, especially because one of the one of the things James Comer has done, he's been absolutely terrible at this. It's really hard to overstate how horribly he's handled this. Uh, but one of the ways in which he's done so is he's just cried wolf repeatedly, just elevating, yeah. cherry picking this, you know, basically nonsense from, from from a lot of these interviews to the point that now it's become sort of the expectation that that even the lawyers who are <laughs> yeah, you know subjected right. to his deposition to come forward and be like, we know you're going to cherry pick this, you better not do it, and getting ahead of the news story. <laughs> So even if he'd come out and said, oh, you know, James Biden said these things, everyone was already predisposed to be like, OK, sure, James, we'll read the transcript when it comes out because we don't believe you. And, and, you know, it's just another way in which he shot himself. Well, again, nobody's been doing a better job of keeping track of this than you, Philip. And uh, thank you so much for joining us again today, bringing us up to date. And we'll see you again soon on the Bill Press Pod. Of course. Thank you very much, sir. And that's it for today's talk on this impeachment nonsense. I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but it is troubling that they're still pursuing it. And it was good to have Philip Bump lay it all out for us. So we'll be back on Friday, friends, uh, to wrap up what's going to be another pretty crazy week. we got the Michigan primary coming up. Uh, there'll be at least one hearing in Donald Trump's legal battles, uh, a hearing down in Florida, which could upset the whole apple cart. We're waiting for the Supreme Court to rule on whether or not Donald Trump is immune from any charges at all. Uh, And, oh, yeah, um, yeah, the government may run out of money and shut down on Friday. So all of that we'll be talking about on this week's Reporters Roundtable. Have a great week. Come back and see us on Friday for Reporters Roundtable, the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.